the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. I am Seth. Tuesday, June 21st, 2022. Special treat for me because it's been so long. It feels like it's been forever. It's been a few weeks. Hugh Hallman is back in the house, back in the country, back in state. We, uh, I was going to say where he belongs, but I know you do so much great work internationally. I just missed you. So Hugh Hallman, former mayor of Tempe, attorney in town, educator, uh, civic uh, activist. Welcome back. Glad to have you, brother. I am Honored and thrilled to be back yeah, with you. Good to have you. Uh, it makes me feel good to be here and to get to hear you on the radio live. It's harder when I'm in Kazakhstan and other places to do that. And uh, folks ought to make sure they go to the website and occasionally listen to podcasts because, frankly, your your monologues and the commentary is as good as it is out there. You are listening to smart talk radio where real ideas get sort of unpacked and discussed and described, and your listeners are uh, not only uh, lucky to have you, but they're, you're lucky to have them because you've got a really smart class of folks listening who then want to think and talk about this stuff, and it doesn't happen much anymore. I appreciate it, and I'm lucky to have this position. You know, it's, uh, I can't get hired in a college or university with my views, so I like to think of these shows as seminars on the vital issues, which is why I love having you here. Also, we want to keep you from exploding, and you need, <laughs> you need an outlet as well. So this is, this is great, and we, we love, uh, love having you, Hugh. Um, Welcome to the Hugh and Seth Love Fest. Well, it is a little bit of that, so let's not engage in too much mutual corruption. Let me engage you on a previous job of yours, because what's interesting to Do you want to talk about your trip, first of all, uh, or do you want to talk about uh, your former job let me let me lay the table out and you do what you want. What I was going to ask you about is, Hugh, former mayor of Tempe, it seems to me issue after issue is coming back to a way like it was in the 1990s where mayors were being looked to. And in the 90s, we had a few serious mayors aside from yourself. Uh, they were taught Steve Goldsmith, I think, it was, uh, was, was doing some interesting work. Obviously, everyone knew uh, Rudy Giuliani was doing some interesting work on crime in New York City. But when we're talking about crime, when we're talking about homelessness, when we're talking about even, even issues having to do with education and violence, which kind of touch a lot of everything that our society is dealing with, we're really talking about, in many respects, municipal politics again, or at least the role for strong leadership in a mayor's office. And I kind of wanted to pick your brain about some of that. So let me give you that opportunity, along with however you want to handle it. The trip you had, you know, you go back and forth to Europe. Kazakhstan's There's a war going Central, on. You know, in Central Asia, but okay. But you go to uh, Europe. I, in fact, I've been going through Turkey precisely because the Russians don't aim things very well. And being in an aircraft flying over Europe has a risk of being shot down by Russians who can't quite distinguish between military aircraft and uh, those for civilians, just as they can't distinguish between apartment buildings and military hardware. And where's the United Kingdom? What continent? Uh, it, is, it, is, it is not in Europe. 
the United Kingdom is not in Europe. Okay, all right. You're you're a tough witness. Just just ask the British. Okay, they'll well, tell they're you they're not, not certainly European. not part of the European Union. I understand that. But anyway, you travel abroad quite a bit uh, on places that Russia touches and affects and has great influence in and on. So, anything you want to start with? Do you want to start about uh, talk about what you're learning, uh, what you learned on your travels abroad, or do you want to get down to domestic policy? Well, I think it's it's a piece because. Okay. Uh, the reason I uh, fell in love with Kazakhstan is because it is the uh, of my experience around the globe, the collection of people who most uh, represent what the founding principles of this country were. Now, is that country perfect by any stretch? Absolutely not. It's a country coming out of the former Soviet Union with people who were corrupted by that system people who learned really bad lessons from communism and totalitarianism. Uh, but the baseline yearning of the Kazakhstanis uh, that I've known now for 30 years is that they want to have an opportunity to raise their families, conduct their businesses, uh, do what they'd like to do, respecting others' ability and rights to do the same thing, acknowledging that they owe an obligation to their society for creating an, a, an environment in which that can be uh, accomplished in a really lo- not a tough neighborhood. Oh, by the way, real quick question. Is there a profit motive? Are they driven by, by oh, capitalist Oh, sure. No, it's absolutely a cap- yeah. capitalist society. But, but, you know, self-interest is not uh, the same as selfishness. And that one uh, pursues one's self-interest to make oneself feel good and all the other things you want to put into the basket. Uh, That is, I think, a human condition. And that is what our founders understood, that you need to develop a society that acknowledges the uh, drives of human behavior. And that's what our society is now failing to recall. So the reason I go to Kazakhstan is it refreshes my desire to contribute to my country here and recognize that this is a unique experiment, this shining city on a hill that uh, is blessing people who haven't had to do much to earn it. And that there are people across this globe who yearn to be here, desire to be here, as you've noted on a show last week, uh, you can you can tell what kind of society you have based on which direction people are trying to go through the fences. Uh, and certainly the the Soviet Union had to build fences to keep people in and we build fences to keep people out. Uh, and that's the difference. And so those here in this is risk life and limb to get in. Correct. Yeah. Uh, and and, you know, Great Britain is having the same trouble. I the the great fun about being in Kazakhstan is I get a news feed of international news that is not nearly as biased as the news feed we have here. So even CNN World is not the the tainted crap that you get here. Uh, And uh, the BBC International uh, and World News is much more old-style U.S. You don't know what their political views are. They're telling you the facts. And watching the British story play out on having uh, immigrants try to make their way to Great Britain and uh, Great Britain having done a treaty effectively with another nation to uh, take people who are who are trying to get to Great Britain and ship them there uh, to a, a state in Africa uh, as a means to send the message, don't keep doing this. Now, 
it is a tragedy that we can't offer that the the sorts of things that bring people to this country to everyone across the globe. We've tried. And being the the world's policeman is very expensive and difficult. At some point, cultures have to understand what is at the baseline level of the culture here that is not at the baseline culture of Russia and China. Mm-hmm. And having experienced the fact that we've got a left here who says we must respect other people's cultures, and yet then in the same breath doesn't respect the sort of American culture that's developed here over centuries, and then says there's no difference between the cultures. They're equally valuable. Well, that's crap. Uh, People who decide as a cultural matter that cannibalism is a good thing, I think, are probably wrong because it's denying the humanity of the people who are dinner. You know, so... If you can go to that gross level of a cultural understanding, then now we're just talking about a line drawing problem. Mm -hmm. For those of you who don't understand that, it means, you know, clearly uh, on abortion, that's the easiest one in modern society. Should it be legal to abort a child one minute before birth? Well, of course not. That's barbarian. Then we have a line drawing problem. Mm -hmm. And that is to say, when in that process should one be allowed to abort a child? Is it, you know, before conception? That is, are condoms, should those be illegal in some societies and some cultures? They view that as correct, that having any kind of birth control is equally abhorrent as abortion itself. I don't happen to believe that. But that is a line drawing problem. Where do you draw the line between what's acceptable and what's not? Why do we eat cattle but not horses in this country? Because now it's illegal or humans. Right. Uh, and that's an easier one for me to draw uh, once you decide that there is something divine. And, but that and, is the magic of this country that you are putting your finger on when we talk about uh, the equality of man in our Declaration of Independence, Hugh, that we do have the implicit understanding in declaring that, that we are equal in our inequality before God and our superiority over animals. We don't treat humans like animals here. That was the notion, and we don't act like gods, right? Correct. That was the point of, of, of our country, so of, of our country's founding. So when you look at other cultures that don't have those views, and they do to people what most sane societies only do to animals, we are talking about that kind of cultural relativism, which drives the concept of America in and of itself frankly, null and void, right? I mean, it's null and void to to have a society that says you do what you want. You're not better or worse than us. But here, here, you know, we will we will we will only treat uh, humans as as humans if they are of the right race or of the right ethnicity. You know, it's right not a very strong theory. position to say, but you may have a different point of view. It's not a very strong position. Let's pick up on all of this when we come right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Former Tempe Mayor Hugh Hallman is our in-studio guest. Happy to take your calls, too, as always, 602 Thank you for the tip, by the way, Hugh, on how to come into the segments where they announce it and how to make it easier for podcast listeners. You did give me one. I think you know what I'm talking about. I have deployed it, so thank you. Uh, I've noticed because I had listened to every podcast while I was in Kazakhstan. It makes me nervous. Oh, no, it's great stuff. <laughs> it is great. My, um, my point right before the break about having treating people like animals, we can get into that as a philosophical and historical thing, but let me use it as a moment to segue this whole larger point of the role of mayors. Uh, I'm on a kick lately 
uh, with uh, uh, having visited Tent City last week. Uh, I'm on a homeless issue kick. Uh, and I'll tell you, if you want to see human beings living like animals, it's uh, visible. Uh, 12-minute drive from here, 9th Avenue and uh, Jefferson, about 12, 15 minutes at most. Um, I don't know that most people in Phoenix know what's going on there. I don't know that most people in the world know what's going on there. But uh, it is um, social destruction um, in sharp relief and, uh, you know, it seems to me that this is something that's actually fixable. Uh, it, it, has to be underst- it has to be seen and known and, and to, to be addressed. But this is an addressable problem. Uh, th- there is nothing, in my view of the world, that can't solve the depredation of 800 individuals. It's about 800 individuals over there on these few city blocks but it's about the most awful thing I've ever seen, Hugh. I, feel free to react however you want. So the greater examples of that— You heard my that, monologue on it last week, yes, I think. Yes, and, and reread it just so I could uh, ingest it a little more. The, this is a harder problem to address than you might imagine, not because we don't have the resources and we don't have people who would do it, but because courts have created uh, legal preclusions— to address it, and we as a society have changed our culture to enable really bad behavior. So let's start with where else would you see this? In fact, if you go to Portland, Oregon, or you go to Seattle, Washington, you'll see a significantly worse case of that. This this newest iteration of homelessness and homeless encampments comes out of a 2009 case uh, out of Boise, Idaho, uh, that was uh, Martin versus Boise, in which the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled that the city could not forcibly remove people from public property, homeless camping, unless they had an alternative place for them to live. The challenge you face is, even if you have alternative places to live, uh, over the last 40 years we've enabled such bad behavior that we now end up with a huge number of people who are so mentally ill that they will not remain in places that are fixed for their accommodation. And that was accommodated or caused by court rulings 40 years ago that emptied our what we used to call insane asylum. So for people who were mentally ill, the challenge we've had in our society is we've pressed on the one hand towards the libertarian view that Uh, The level at which people should be allowed to accommodate themselves is now so low that you have significantly mentally ill people who cannot be kept against their will, causing great destruction to themselves and our society. Were we doing a great job 40 years ago with mental illness? Of course we weren't. And that's part of what drove the court cases that allowed the result to have the emptying of mental health institutions. We've not fixed that. There's not a way to fix that easily because Congress can't act and states can't act when the courts ruled that as a matter of constitutional law, somebody has the right to be homeless and to live out on the streets, even a level of mental illness that none of us would accept generally as acceptable. I mean, it's ridiculous. So we've caused this problem through court edicts when the court was trying to uh, create social policy and did that. Now, of course, we have lots of folks objecting to the conservatives creating social policy on the court. They didn't object to 50 years of moving it to the left. They just don't want to move it back to center. 
Uh, so let's set that aside as a political problem. So that's where we start. So the homeless encampments, if you really want to see liberal versions of that, go to the most liberal cities in our country and you'll see even worse models of that. The city of Phoenix has a very liberal council now that have created some of these problems as a result. So we don't want to disallow people from choosing to uh, enjoy their sixth level of uh, of uh, humanity and uh, self-actualize to the worst cons, kinds of activities they can engage in. So that's the problem you're facing, Seth. I've spent 30 years working on how do you house people who are homeless or houseless? How do you take people and help them get housing without destroying their humanity? And that's enabling behavior. That is to say that if you give somebody a handout, they're much more likely to become dependent than if you give them a hand up. Now, that's too cute a way to say it, but it was the the phrasing we used for Habitat for Humanity 20 years ago, that we were a hand up, not a hand out. Why do I say that? Because the entire philosophy is the philosophy I I have in my soul. Uh, Again, that takes me to Kazakhstan as well, that there are lots of people who were born with uh, attributes that are significantly less uh, usable than the ones I was born with, and I did not earn my intellect. I didn't earn my physical ability. Did I work it very hard? Yes, but I started at a baseline that's damned blessed. That's just the way it is. And a lot of people don't. So we have an obligation in my political philosophy, those of us who've been blessed with a distribution of attributes that are very, very valuable to supply the benefits of those attributes to others who did not receive an equal distribution. However, if we lower the bar for what performance is, we're not doing those people who are below the bar a favor. We're destroying the opportunity for those who have an incentive then to work to benefit themselves and society by working hard to take advantage of those resources that they've been blessed with. Enabling behavior is when you're handing people benefits without them earning it to the best extent they can. And this is where Republicans and Democrats, in my view, aren't getting it right on either side. And Lewis talked about this about a month ago. That Republicans fail to acknowledge that hard work is just not enough if you don't have the attributes to which you can apply hard work and succeed. Liberals insist that everybody deserves some level of benefits independent of whether or not they work for it. And my political view is everyone should be asked to do everything they can to achieve whatever the outcome we're seeking to achieve. Some people doing everything they can aren't going to be able to feed themselves, aren't going to be able to house themselves. But if you deny them the opportunity to do everything they themselves can do for themselves— You will strip away their humanity and make them dependents. And so we should insist that everyone do everything he or she or it can do to achieve whatever those outcomes are we seek to achieve. uh, Getting a home, feeding, clothing, supporting one's family. And if we do that, we'll reduce the likelihood of the outcomes you're seeing of homeless camps that we have now created because of our own social policy. All right, mostly let me, from let the me left. drill down on a few of those specifics with you. I, I, I think I, that's a perfect setting of the table. Let, let, me, let me pick off a few of those items when we come right back. We will be right back. As we go to break, I'll put in a word for Balance of Nature, balanceofnature.com. They're fruits and veggies. I take them every single day, a blend of 16 whole fruits, 15 whole vegetables. Great stuff from papaya to pineapple, from uh, garlic and cayenne pepper to carrots, celery, wheatgrass, All the good, pure, potent, powerful stuff. I've never taken a product I liked more. Balanceofnature.com to boost your immunity, your health, and your energy. Make sure to use discount code. 
balance. I'm Seth Liebson. He's Hugh Hallman, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Hugh Hallman is our in-studio guest, former mayor of Tempe, attorney, that three-dog night. Is that the kind of stuff you listened to in college? Was that song popular, Road to Shambhala? Well, you were at a conservative college then. So, so were you, but you forget that it's my father was It's just not conservative a, anymore. No, my father was a jazz musician, yeah. so I grew up uh, listening to uh, a lot of standards and big yeah. band and stuff. And so that that's still my – I fall into that. That's almost, your that's your My default. go-to. Yeah. I want to drill down on some of the stuff you're talking about with the causes – of the homeless, first thing I, I draw a distinction when I talk on the homeless issue. You tell me if you agree with it. it there's sometimes a conflation uh, when people talk about this. There's homeless and there's homeless. The homeless that um, simply can't afford a house and don't have a place to live is different than what I'm talking about when I look at tent city. Correct. Absolutely. People need to understand we're not talking about people who can actually take care of themselves but have fallen on rough times, maybe really rough times, maybe bankruptcies, maybe there's some other problems as well, and they can't get a house or they can't get a loan for a house. But, you know, they could probably call on a friend to stay on their uh, couch. They could probably – that's not the homeless I'm talking about. So I don't want this to And become, programs that support them right, are appropriate. Right, right, right. So this whole notion of not enough affordable housing I would like to set aside for a moment because that is not the problem I'm talking about at Tent City, nor is it – all in the form of a question. If you disagree, feel free to. Nor is it the problem you're describing in Seattle, Portland, Los Angeles, San Francisco. D.C. In, D.C. Interestingly enough, as I understand it, New York City doesn't have the same problem. Correct. As I understand it, because they simply don't allow people to sleep in the streets at night, at least not in large congregate settings. We'll come back to that in a minute. So do you, you agree with this distinction? There's people who could care for themselves um, and, and, and who could stay with a friend or could stay at a temporary shelter or could stay at a church or some other friend of a friend's or family member's house. But then there's this population, the one I'm talking about, over on Jefferson in what we're calling Tent City in a, in a, in a euphemism of euphemisms that – you could not bring into your house, nor could you put them into a house if they could get a mortgage, if, even if they could. These are very highly mentally disturbed and drug-addled human beings. That's most of what we're looking at. You go to Tent City over here, you see people. It's about three to four city blocks. You see people aimlessly walking the streets, yelling at themselves and people that don't exist and things that don't exist. You see them torching each other's property. And one thing you also see, Hugh, which no one wants to talk about. So talk. let's get rid of this notion of victimless crimes. The, the abuse they each face from each other. You combine psychosis and drug use and, uh, you know, no shelter, no rule of law whatsoever. You have a lot of sexual assault. You have a lot of battery within that community of, of, of this All category true. of homelessness I'm talking about. All true. Um, so I wanted to just see, if, A, if you agree with the distinction. There's two kinds of things. So the affordable housing thing, which is you, you've done a lot of work on that front too. You've been with Habitat and Humanity. That's, that's a different kind of problem than what I'm talking about. But if you want to discuss the distinction in Habitat, but you, you've got it exactly right. Let me okay. give you one example, a family that uh, I had the permission to use this story because it was an example of how Habitat worked. So we had a family who lived in uh, Gilbert, Chandler, I'm sorry, and uh, they were in rough times. 
and to cut costs. The family didn't pay their property insurance uh, for a period, and then the house caught fire, and they had no way to rebuild it. So they had to make a tough choice between groceries and car and putting kids, and they had six children. And they were a perfect candidate for Habitat because they worked very hard, didn't you know know everything they needed to know. And we put them into the Habitat program, and they spent 500 hours of, as a family to build their own home. And then our volunteers worked with them to build the home, and we got the materials donated, et cetera. And they ended up with a four-bedroom home for the family uh, that they then had to buy. And the price was, at the time, $40,000 for a four-bedroom home uh, that appraised at about $90,000 at the time. And they uh, met with me as I our program was we didn't charge interest based on the – They put some of, skin in. They have they, to put They something. spent 500 hours building it. Okay. Then they have to pay a mortgage, a $40,000 mortgage. And we can come back and yeah, talk yeah, about yeah, yeah. This as is an example of what enabling is versus a proper concept. I wanted to go. Perfect. That's a perfect setup for where I want to go next. That's great. As we go to break, let me put in a word for why refi. Invest com to learn about this great offer these people are uh, – uh, this uh, company has put together. It is a fixed, no-load interest rate up to 10.25% for investors in a secure and collateralized portfolio designed to help people dig out of debt by paying off their debts and doing it the right way. InvestYRefi.com. It's a local company. You can visit them. You won't get a sales pitch. They'll just talk about what they do and let it speak for itself. And it should sing as it's saying to me when they talk to me about it. YRefi is a due diligence approved firm. And again, to re- learn more, investyrefi.com. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Hugh Hallman, former mayor of Tempe, is my guest, as he is almost every Tuesday when he's in town. We are delighted to have him and host him here. Hugh, you were telling us we're talking homelessness and um, and the homeless policies. You were talking about this other side of it that you've been so heavily involved. You've been involved on both sides, but this one side of it that you've also been involved in, the Habitat for Humanity model. Talk to me more about that, this incentive, disincentive business and the issue of skin in the game. They put, they put, they have to put a, this was the old school choice model. You had to pay a little something, but anyway, go ahead. Talk well, to it's this. crucial. So this truly the founding, you don't, you don't, you don't wash a, uh, you don't wash a rental car. That's correct. Right. That's a Claremont men's college uh, concept, right. uh, that incentives matter. And this society was founded by people who understood that incentives mattered and that people had to have the incentive to work hard and do what they could. Uh, there were, you know, Problems with the founding of our society. We get that. The compromise about slavery is just one example. But you have to get the gig started. In the Habitat case, the model is based on the idea that you do not give somebody uh, a gift. They must work as well as they can to achieve their opportunity to have a home. And so this one family I'm talking about, they got the six kids and two parents spent 500 hours collectively to build their own home. Second piece. So there's the incentive. You've got to build it yourself. Why? Because you'll take care of it. If you know what it costs to build it and you know how hard that is, you'll take care of it. You don't wash a rental car, but you wash the, the car that you bought with your own money riding around on a bicycle as a newspaper carrier, right? You take better care of those things. And that brings people to understand what it means to get a home. Well, why do the projects in every city look like the projects? Right. Because when you're giving somebody a house... They didn't earn it. There's no respect for that property value. So somebody builds their own house. It also teaches them the skills on how to maintain it. 
They understand how electricity works and how the plumbing works and how the sh- shingles work and how all of that fits together. So it's its own Votech program at the same time. Bingo. Yeah. And so now they earn that. And then they have to pay for the house. You don't get the gift of for 500 hours. You then pay a mortgage. There's no interest, and it's not fair market value. The houses were running at about $90,000 on, on appraisal. And the four-bedroom was $40,000, and the three-bedroom was $30,000 on a 20-year mortgage. Also, then you don't want people to speculate. So you don't give somebody this opportunity, and then they turn around and sell the house for $90,000 and pocket the 50, right? right? So the, so is there a covenant on that? So there's a deed of trust holding the promissory note. And the first five years, if you sell the house, you get none of the – you just pay off the note, and that's it. You're relieved of the debt, but you don't get the profit. Over the following 15 years, it's a declining balance. The sixth year, you get one-fifteenth of the extra profit. The seventh year, you get two-fifteenths. So by year 20, it's free and clear. It's all yours. You want to sell it. But by then, families get that their best way to build wealth is through their first home. Okay. So all of that philosophy comes together to say incentives matter. And homelessness, our biggest problem, not with people who – will work to try to get themselves out. What I said at the opening of the show was people who choose to be homeless. You can't get them off the street because they don't want to behave in any social setting where they could have a place to live. And so those people that are now down at Ninth Avenue and Washington and Jefferson and Buckeye are all living that way because even though our society does have housing for them, they will not stay in that housing because of the mental illness, much of which is driven by drug and alcohol addiction, much of which is driven by enabling behavior. Yes, lots of people have tragic stories that lead to drug and alcoholism, but it is no excuse to enable that behavior to continue because what you're doing is destroying that human being by pretending that you're being kind to them. Right. Nature is a little bit cruel, so it may be very kind, and we refuse to understand that lesson. So that's the brilliant summary of where I need to go, because this is where the real trick is. You said it was about helping those that want it versus helping those that don't want it. And those that don't want it, we have to say they don't know what they want in many of the cases. I don't even know if they know they exist. I don't even know if they know that they live in a state called Arizona. Honest to God. I mean, or you on go a down planet. There. Right. So we're talking about a recalcitrance born of mental disease and drug abuse, uh, mostly. Uh, Which may be driven by prior sex abuse and all those things. I get all of that. But you think you're being kind by letting what's going on in downtown Phoenix continue? You're nuts. You're as nuts as the people out there talking to themselves. And we'll spill out to the rest of the community, one. But more so, it's cruel to themselves the way they live and beat on themselves. There's daily arson. There is daily arson. There's a means to enforce rules of the homeless camp exactly so that's where the idaho problem comes in the idaho case says that you cannot take people off of public property if you do not have an alternative place for them to stay and we have rules predating that 30 and 40 years ago court cases that said you cannot force somebody off the street and into a, a mental institution even if they're mentally ill, unless it's such an extreme case uh, that they... Injure the self and others, which isn't that odd a standard on paper, but the way it certainly gets interpreted makes it almost never the case. That is correct. It's like strict 
Can you say strict it? scrutiny? Thank you. It's like strict scrutiny. Almost no law will survive it. Thus, we get into this area, Hugh, where that's all true in this. Maybe those are two silos, but there is another silo, which is laws on the books. There are vagrancy laws. There are public indecency laws. There are there are there are uh, uh, there are. Um, most laws, of which are deemed unconstitutional. So are, the laws are on the books, right. but they have been deemed to be right. unconstitutional. Right. So that having been said, if we want to fix this, you're telling me one of the first things we have to do is either change it through statute, forcing a new interpretation by the courts, or do we only change it through a new interpretation of a new series of judges that we get over the course of 10, 20, 30 years. I think your alternative, uh, the first alternative is the likely way to go, that you start enacting legislation to say we mean it this time and then enforce it and let people challenge it. And the the, uh, uh, folks who want to charge against that again, have at it. But I think we need to do a much better job now to defend the opportunity to provide real assistance to people who clearly are being tortured out in the sun during the summer in the city of Phoenix because we think we're being kind. Right. That's And that's how healthy they are. They think that is a better option than a, than a place with a, three meals a day and air conditioning. They would – that illustrative of the mental illness that's going on there. I'm going to have you put it all together for us when we come right back. Thanks for spending some of your afternoon with us. Hugh Hallman, thanks for coming back to the country. Thanks for coming in the studio. Do you want to put some of this together and wrap it up into a uh, pretty bow? I will try to, and it starts with the Trump hearings. And I would say it this way. I do not have to agree with the current Democratic Party to recognize that some members of the Republican Party have behaved badly. That doesn't make the Republican Party uh, something that needs to be thrown to the ash bin of history, it means that those who have gone to the extremes and engaged in bad behavior should not be leading us. Uh, The same is true with homelessness and just about every other thing we touch. The extremes rarely supply solutions for typical problems that we face on a daily basis. And homelessness is an example of that. We have gotten here because the left decided to go to the extremes on defending people's rights to behave any way they wanted to. And we've created court precedent now that makes it impossible for us to address the mess that is now in central Phoenix, that is now in Portland, Oregon, that is in Seattle and Los Angeles and San Francisco and Washington, D.C. and across this country. People from abroad come here and see that and think we have lost our minds. Even in Great Britain, even in other Western societies, they have not devolved their sense of rights to the point that we no longer have meaning to our words and that we cannot retain a sense of social propriety. That is a huge problem for us. Ronald Reagan understood that. He understood incentives matters mattered. When Ronald Reagan said, if you pay people enough to be poor, they'll be poor. It wasn't anathema. It was the understanding that incentives matter. And we need to get back to a society in which we can identify right and wrong, good and bad, evil and wonderful. And that's going to take work by people like you 
and me and your listeners to be calm, competent, and willing to have discussions over how we solve problems. I can't improve on that. I like that what you said about other countries. In large parts of this country, we are looking like the kind of country we used to send aid to. And in those countries, there are large parts of them that are doing better than large parts of this. That's a misprioritization of what we can be. Hugh, we'll work on this together. This is a new project I want to do with you and a few others. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. I'm Seth, and class is dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.